You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Just want to say thanks as we get started, just for everybody that participated and helped out last week and making last week possible. We had hundreds and hundreds of people come through. Uh, from all over West Texas. This was not just a, a sundown event, and this has never been just about sundown. This has been about blessing the local communities uh, and creating a family-friendly place for Halloween and just uh, getting them so much candy that you have a viable excuse to not take them trick-or-treating. That's what I'm, I'm here for you. I'm here to establish these things for the parents. Um, and that was, that was a wonderful event. I know Melissa and I are still very tired, um, from all that, it's just a lot of planning, and it's crazy, but it was so fun, and it's impossible without all y'all's help and support. And um, Be praying for our kiddos. We've got state marching band uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, they'll be traveling there, and then coming, I guess, are they traveling today? Does anybody know? Tomorrow. So tomorrow morning, they're traveling, play on Tuesday, come back Wednesday. So uh, excited for them. That band has worked really hard. I was uh, telling Sarah, Liam and I were at the football game Thursday night, and we got to watch their last performance this year on, the, on Slaughter Field. Um, and there was, I mean, it was goosebumps, just chills from head to toe. They have worked so hard. It's so cool to see our kids. And um, I, love, I love this time of year because I, I have prayer meeting, and I get to meet with the administrators on Monday morning and they're talking about all the things that they need prayer for. And just mainly it's all travel this time of year because they're just chasing down our kids. Um, you know, Thursday night, they finish a varsity football game here at home. They beat Tahoka. And then a truckload of kids pile up into a, into a van and they travel through the night to get to San Marcos so they can run the next day. Um, and which is just or around Round Rock. Round Rock, yeah, not San Marcos. I don't, whatever, I don't know. It's in the area. Uh, but So they're running in Round Rock, and then these kids will come home, and a lot of those kids are leaving again. So they're on their way home. They'll, they'll get their laundry done, and then they'll load up with the bus of band kids, and they'll head out then, and then they'll come back Wednesday, and then they go play in the playoffs. Um, and so it's just it's chaos. And now, and just to add to the mix, because we weren't busy enough, basketball has started. Uh, so, it's, uh, it is unlike any place I've ever been, Sundown, Texas, and the success of the kids and the rich heritage of success that's in this community, and uh, it's just, it's a blessing to see these kids thrive in these things, and uh, just to have a community, Sundown has always been this, but it's a place that thrives when it should not thrive. We should not have kids that are this successful. The world would say, you're too small of a town to have this many kids this successful. You're too small of a town to win the UIL Lone Star Cup. You're just, you shouldn't be able to do these things in a town of 1,200 people, and, and we just keep doing it. And it encourages me, if that's what we do on the earth, what does the Lord have for the kingdom on this earth in Sundown, Texas? You know, this city, we know that this city is spoken. The Lord has said it in this house that this city will be more like the kingdom of heaven than it is a city and a state and a country. But last week we talked about where does it start? It doesn't start at the city limit signs on any four corners of Sundown, Texas. It doesn't, start, uh, it doesn't start with city council. It doesn't start with city hall. It doesn't start with the school. It starts in the place where the vision was released. And where was that? 
That's right here. We talked about that last week, that this is the territory that we occupy, and because the children of God occupy this territory, this territory is the kingdom of God. And we talked about it in preparation of having these hundreds of people come into this territory that we occupy. This is not a city that we're going and we're hoping that they'll see the kingdom through us. The kingdom was established here and they were entering into it. We weren't bringing the kingdom to them. They were walking into it themselves last week. And we talked about just how wonderful and how unique that is to recognize that the kingdom is at hand and it's right in front of us and that our community stepped in it and walked through it for hours and hours and hours right outside. Our street was filled with those that are saved and those that are lost, with those with hope and those without. They all entered. And I believe that they all encountered the presence of God. Amen. The Lord planted us here. I was thinking about this today, or uh, this week. The Lord planted this church here 92 years ago. 92 years ago. In 1930, this church was established in Sundown, Texas. Nearly 100 years this church has existed. That like blew my mind. That blew my mind. If you look at our neighboring small town communities, that doesn't exist. And, it, and it's, not, it's not the same building that we operated in 92 years ago, right? We've grown, we've, we've done new things, we've updated, and it's just this beautiful thing. And the Lord had just had it pressed upon my heart after, after last weekend, just reflecting on last Sunday and fall festival, that, that for 92 years, the Lord has established this place for such a time as this. For such a time as we find ourselves in, that we may raise the dead, cast out demons, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and proclaim the glory of the Lord. Amen? Amen. You are an anointed people. I need you to understand that. I need you to believe it. Do you believe that in the chaos of this time, hear this, that in the chaos of this time, in the chaos of this world, that 92 years ago, the Lord, when He established this church, knew what 2022 would look like? He knew the pandemic was coming. He knew all these things. And his answer before anybody even prayed it was to send you. Do you hear that? That the answer that the Lord had established 92 years ago was you today. You have been established. You have been set in stone. You have been sealed in high places for such a time as this. That the answer to prayers prayed and those not yet prayed is you. The Lord has sent you after His lost sheep, and you are perfectly equipped, perfectly anointed. But we doubt still. We doubt. And I, when I say we, I'm including myself. We doubt still. We doubt the purpose, and we doubt, we doubt the anointing. We believe in great things spoken for this community, but we doubt our role in it. If I say the things that the Lord wants to do in this city, there's, I don't believe there's any one of you that would say, nah. I don't think the Lord meant that when He said it. But when I say He's established it through you, that's when we have a problem receiving it and believing it. It's my part in it. Why is that? Why would the Lord release it if you were only going to be in the way? Why would you be here if you were only going to be a hindrance to the vision that He has? That's not, that's not you. That's not true. And it's time for us to believe that we are an anointed people, anointed for this. We are the perfect answers, perfectly equipped, sent from heaven to establish the kingdom of God for such a time as this. No longer doubting it. You are not here by accident. You are here on purpose. And you have been released upon the earth. Amen? It's important to recognize that, man. It's important to think about that. 
I've had this conversation several times just with, with my family and certain things that they're going through. And um, my mom likes to use this to get us to do things that we don't really want to do, us kids, and like go places and be with people that we don't want to be with because um, we're selfish and we just don't want to. It's uncomfortable. But my mom uses this, and it's so true. It hurts that she uses it. It hurts my heart a little bit. But she says, you are the only Jesus that they know. And so if not you, then who? It's like, oh, dang it. I guess I'm going. I'll be there. I'll be there early. Um, But it's so true. You are the Jesus that people will know. And you have been released upon this community to be Jesus, to be a shepherd sent by the good and perfect shepherd to bring lost sheep home. You are anointed. You are perfectly equipped to do that. Why would the Lord waste his time filling your lungs with life if he had no purpose for you? Do you see that? Why are you alive if you have no purpose? So stop doubting your role in what the Lord has spoken. You have been released upon the earth and you have been anointed. And if you have been sent out by the good shepherd to bring home the lost sheep, if that is your resume, that you are a son of God, you are a daughter of God, a co-heir with Christ, If that is who you are, that is your resume, what will he not do for those people? What will he not do for his own children? If he is a good and perfect father, I'm asking parents in here, is there any one of you that would not do anything? You would would draw the line in the sand of what you will not do for your kids. No, we would do anything. If it was for their good, I would do anything. We would do anything. We would lay down our lives if it would be for their good and their benefit. We would do it. What will he not do for you, this perfect father? I want you to see this morning the value that you hold in this community and in the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. He who did not withhold his only son, so that you may be free, that you may be his again, and not just his again, but now he calls you his temple because the presence of God dwells within you. That's a big title. What would he not do for the house that carries his presence? What would he not do for the vessel that carries his presence to all the ends of the earth? There is nothing. There is nothing that he will not do. There is nothing that he will not release when you ask. There is nothing. Romans 8, 12 tells us. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are God, are sons of God, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may be glorified with Him. This This is a passage of Scripture that we have read so often, and we've been talking about it in Sunday school, 
These common passages of Scripture that we have become so accustomed to hearing in church. I grew up in church. I left for a period of time, but I grew up in church. I knew the practices. I knew what was appropriate, what wasn't appropriate. I knew church is a place where I go on Sundays to get in trouble. That was church. I, I went there for my mom to pinch my ear and flick me in the head. That was church for me for a long time until I went to college and I found the Lord on my own. But we who have grown up in church have heard this passage of Scripture a thousand times. And there's not a one of us in here that if I said, do you believe it? You'd be like, oh yeah, of course, sure. Where's the evidence of it in your story? If you believe that passage of Scripture, is there any room in your life to doubt your purpose on this earth? Is there any room for you to doubt that the Lord has established you for such a time as this? And that he will withhold anything from you. No, there's no room for that. There's no room. There's no room for that. We cannot believe these things. We talked about two weeks ago in, uh, in church, three weeks ago, that we minister under an open heaven and everybody's like, oh yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then why do we act like we've got to penny pinch the blessings from the kingdom of heaven? Like I've got to go search God's couch for just enough coins to scrape by. That's not ministering under our own open heaven. That's ministering as a slave to a master. No, your sons and your daughters. We need to recognize that before we move on. We are sons and daughters of God. The Spirit of God bears witness to your identity as a child of God. Think about that for a second. The Spirit of God proclaims your truth, your identity, the fact that you are His and His alone. The Spirit of God bears witness for us. We don't even have to defend ourselves. The Spirit of the living God does it for us and bears witness to our identity. And that's good news, isn't it? But how many of us, and hear this, this is the point of this morning, how many of us when we pray, when we seek and when we ask, because we all agree with everything that I've just said, but how many of us when we pray, when we seek, when we ask, at the same time as we are praying and asking for the Lord to release something for us, at the same time in the back of our minds are creating a contingency plan for when the prayer doesn't come, when the answer doesn't come. We, we figure out a contingency plan for if the Lord doesn't answer me, this is what I'll do. This is how I'll fix it. This is how I'll work it out. We create contingency plans for when He doesn't answer our prayer. But what does James 1 tell us? This is a brutal message, but it is true. James 1 verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. I've read that so many times, but for some reason when I read it this week, I felt like I got punched in the gut. The one who doubts must not suppose that he will receive anything from God. That's intense. That's really intense. The one who prays in a doubting mind must not expect an answer. And when you pray, making a contingency plan for the prayer not answered, that's a doubting mind. That's a doubting mind. That's a mind that is unstable in all of its ways. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
And what does Jesus say in John 15? One of my favorite passages of Scripture just because of the, the truth that it, it, it speaks of, of who we are and, and our place and how it's supposed to work in prayer and understanding those things. John 15, 7, if you abide in me, abide means to remain in. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by this. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples that you bear much fruit. If you abide in me and my word abides in you. What word of Jesus, though, talks about how it is appropriate to doubt our Heavenly Father? What passage of Scripture says that we should doubt Him? Where in this book is that found? And where in your experience, where in your encounters with the Lord has He proven to be one that is worthy of doubt? There is not a single time. There is none. Church, there is only the opposite. There is absolutely no need for doubt because Scripture testifies over and over and over again that He is faithful, that He is good. And at the end of the day, He is for you, not against you. The Creator of the universe, just again, we, brush, we allow these things, this powerful, powerful truth that is meant to change your life, we allow it to come in one ear and right out the other in church. That's kind of the routine of church. Here, be a little bit encouraged, but go on about our days unaffected by the word that was just spoken. Just stop for a second and listen to the reality that the creator of the universe, the one who spoke life into existence, and you tell me on, when, on what day has that life ceased to continue to be created? Those leaves are falling off those trees, are they not? But what's going to happen in the spring? New life, right? Does the grass just cease to grow? Has that day come where there's just no more grass? Animals stop being born. People stop having children. When has creation ceased since the Lord spoke it into existence? It has never. It has not once. And this God, this Creator, that when He speaks, it continues to increase and increase and increase and increase because that's who He is. This God is for you, not against you. If that God is for you, who can be against you? There's none. Everything has been created by Him. And if He is for you, is there anything that can come against you and stop you? No, because He created it. He created it. He built it. He has done it. He is faithful. He is good. And He is for you. The Lord has had this word on my heart for the last couple of weeks. Well, just two weeks. Since last Saturday. Um, and He used this. He was gracious and He used it as a teaching moment because He needed me to understand this message that I could eventually bring it to you. But I had to learn it first. And you guys know that. And I've told, I've told you this, I told you this a little bit last week, but I want to speak it again. I was uh, getting a tractor from Ropesville for the hay rides on, uh, at Fall Festival. And Kai had a football game, and my genius plan was that I was going to coach that football game of four-year-olds, and then I was going to have Sarah drop me off at a tractor, and Liam and I were going to make the quick and easy drive from Ropesville back to sundown in 45 minutes in a tractor that goes 18 miles an hour. And when I got in and I fired it up and I saw it only had a quarter of a tank, I thought, again, in my brilliant mind, that'll get me there. 
that'll make it. And I got to 301. And the little, the little needle, the little stopper for the needle, I could have sworn it was bending because I was that out of gas. And so I look and just think, man, maybe that gauge is broken. I'll be okay. The gauge is probably broken. Stop and I look and I can see the bottom. Gauge ain't broken. There's no gas in it. And so I'm thinking in my head, crap, pardon my language, but poop. I've got to coach another game in an hour. And the, one of my players is sitting right next to me in this tractor. And I'm thinking, okay, what can I do? What can I do? And I just start praying, please, Lord, just give us enough to get there. Give us an, let me break down and sundown. I don't care. Just get me there. Please, Lord, just get me there. And I keep praying it, and I keep praying it, and I keep praying it. And at the back of my mind, I'm starting to think of what, who I'm going to have to call to come get me. Take me and Liam so we can go do this, and then I've got to figure out how to get a stranded tractor to sundown. And I'm just working that out all in my head. And the Lord said, just pray and look forward. I was like, all right, all right, just get us there, please, God. Liam's listening to football. Liam doesn't have a care in the world. And we're going, and we're going, and we're going, and we're coming up to the curves. And I'm just like, okay, this is it. And I look down, and that sucker is sitting right in the middle, halfway full. Like, uh uh-oh, now it is really broken. And I pull over, and I look at it. I can't see the bottom anymore. I'm, tell, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a smart man, but I know what an empty tank and a full tank looks like. I've done it before, and my eyesight is all right. And I, I'm, telling you, I'm telling you right now, and I'm not trying to exaggerate, and I'm not trying to boast up because it's not my testimony to tell. It's, it, this is the Lord's work, and if you have doubts, it's His to defend. It's not mine to defend. I don't care if you believe me or not. This is just the reality of a story that happened for me. The Lord increased the gas in that tractor. And I want to tell you, I was, I was telling Troy about this, my buddy Troy. He was here, Sarah's husband. They're about to have a baby. Whoop. Um, and because uh, he was running the tractor for the hayrides. And I told him about this after. And he tell, he's like, dude, it, that needle hadn't moved. It's still halfway full. That tractor was running nonstop for three hours. And I looked in the tank and the level hadn't changed. That doesn't make a lick of sense, people. That's impossible. And the Lord did it. And then the Lord was trying to remind me and emphasize this point. Because the point he was saying, why do you pray and then figure out what's going to happen when I'm not faithful? Like I expected God to not be faithful. And I wonder how many of my prayers have gone unanswered because I expected him to be unfaithful. And he will not honor that. Like I said, this story is a story of grace because the Lord needed to teach me a lesson. And He needed to grasp my attention. And thankfully, He taught it to me gently. He didn't teach it to me the hard way, which would have been me stranded and hitchhiking to a football game with my son. He taught me with grace and and generosity. But he, He started reminding me of other stories of how He's faithful. And I remembered a story of this, this, uh, this summer. Um, we, had, we had a lot of fire scares. You guys all know this. We had a, it was dry, miserable. It hadn't rained since the previous summer. 
Winter was super dry, so we had a lot of uh, dangerous fire situations. And me and my friend, Troy, Sarah's baby daddy, whoop, um, we're at an arena riding some really stupid, mean horses, not nice ones. But we were there because the dirt is soft and it acts like a cushion for when we fall off. Um, but we had two of our good horses there. And he gets a call that there's a fire in the pasture where all his cows are, right there just next to Jay and, or Jay, uh, Jimmy and Shay, like right, right there in everybody's backyard. And we just happened to be in sundown with horses, saddled up that we can trust, our good ones, we left the bad ones. And, and we go run into his house, and we get there, and our expectation is we gotta run through this, because this, the wind is blowing the wrong direction, and it's blowing right towards cows, horses, I mean, everything is in its path. And so we start hauling butt. And I'm just asking the Lord for help. I'm not asking the Lord for anything, I'm just asking the Lord for help. And I'm, I'm the second we parked and got on our horses and started running towards those cows, started raining. Um, and not like, I'm talking about Forrest Gump, big old fat rain. Hitting, hitting me as I'm riding, and it, it hurt. They were that big. And it was just flooding down, and then all of a sudden, and those cows just happened to be right where they needed to be. And the firefighters were all out there, and then that rain comes, and the fire is just gone. Just like that. Just like that. He opened up heaven and, and rained down and poured out and just answered a prayer that we didn't, even, we didn't even really ask for. We just asked him to do it. And then this last story. I was in a meeting a couple weeks ago. It was an important meeting. It was one of those meetings that you can't rush to the ending of. We've all been there, right? We've had time crunches and we've got stuff that we got to get to, but I just know that I can't leave this moment right now. But I couldn't leave that meeting but I needed to because at 6.45, I was supposed to pray at the varsity football game. And I look at my phone in the midst of this meeting, and it says 6.44. I'm like, shoot. I can't, this is not a good stopping point. We need to conclude this conversation. It's important. I just, and, the, and it was pressed upon me. Do not leave. Don't check out. I just asked the Lord, slow down time, please. Slow down time. I finished that meeting. I know, that's a big prayer. It's kind of like the world and stuff. But I just asked, like, I don't know what else to do. Do something. Add minutes or something. I don't know. But please, just help me. Because I don't want to be late. I don't want to... These people have asked me to do this. I don't want to let them down and not honor my word. And so I just asked him to slow down time. It said 6.44. We continue talking. We finish talking. I get back in my truck. And my phone and my truck say 6.42. What? I couldn't miss it. I know the difference between a three and a four. (laughs) And I know that the 30 part had passed because I was in this house and the little thing chimed at the half hour mark to let me know you're about to be late. And and you don't have to believe me. I don't care. Be doubter. I'm not. The Lord slowed time. And I'm telling you, I walked up into that press box at 6.45. And I don't even know how I made it across town, parked, walked, climbed the stadium, and still got there when it was 6.42 when I left. I didn't know how that was possible either, because I've done it before. It doesn't normally work out like that. But the Lord, 
If we would just stop for a second and just think about this. And the Lord was teaching me this 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 week. All of these things that I'm sharing with you are impossible. But what is impossible? Who defined in your life possible and impossible? Who? If someone told you at the very start of your story that these things were possible, why would you doubt them? You only doubt because you've listened to a world that has said that is impossible. And he cannot do those things. And he does not do those things. And he refuses those things. And we've adopted that. Why? I heard this quote in a movie. It's a very silly movie. It's one of those guy movies. It doesn't make any sense why, why we like it, but we do. Because there's guns and violence. And in this movie, Morgan Freeman, so that's how you know it's good. Because it's Morgan Freeman. But in this movie, he asks, they're curving bullets out of a gun. This is so silly, I don't know why I'm sharing you. It makes you look less at me. Um, but I'm, I'm a good person, just listen. They're curving bullets. Robert Dalton already knows that doesn't happen. But in this movie, they're doing that. And he asks this question, and it's a profound question because it applies to so much in your life. He asked this question, if no one told you that bullets fly straight and you had something in front of you, what would you do? And that blew my mind because the Lord is trying to say, if no one said that was impossible and you came in that moment, what would you do? You would ask the Lord for what you needed that the world says is impossible, but you've never known to be impossible because you've only heard and listened to God who can do all things and nothing is impossible for him. And you just listened and so you ask and therefore you receive. But it says in John 15, if you abide in my word and my word abides in you. Where in Scripture, again, is there any room for us to doubt God? Where in your life, forget just Scripture for a second. Where in your life has God proven to be unfaithful? We are the ones that are unfaithful. We are the ones that doubt. He will prove and prove and prove and prove. I have miraculous testimony in my story. I have seen miraculous things all of my life. But I will still come to a moment and I will doubt God. And I will penny pinch and I will start searching desperately in the couch cushions of heaven for just enough blessing to scrape by. Why is that our mentality towards the Lord? He who has not withheld his only son from you. What more will he not give? He's given the prince of peace. The, pr the most precious thing in all of heaven was the son of God and he gave it immediately for you. Is there any need in your life that will be greater than that? No. And he gave you that. If that's where he starts, if that's the first blessing that any of us have received from the Lord, which is salvation, reconciliation, being reunited with him and no longer separated by the wages of sin, no longer being responsible to pay the debt of, of my sin, because it's been paid. Now I can be with him in paradise forever. Nothing can separate me from him but, by, but my belief in him. That is the only thing that can separate me from him, is my belief. That doesn't mean he leaves. That just means I am ignorant to his presence. If I doubt. If that's where he starts, releasing 
the Prince, the Lamb of God, to you, for you, what more will He not do? Will He not save a community like He said? Will He not work the miraculous like He has said He would? He is the only one that should have any say to us on what is possible and what is impossible. And I'm telling you, He does not know the word impossible. There is nothing impossible for God. So when we pray, lift your eyes, pray, and then continue moving forward knowing it has been released. Knowing that you are worthy. You are anointed for such a time as this. And if you are anointed for such a time as this, why would He turn His ear from you? It doesn't make any logical sense. This is one of my favorite lessons that Randy taught us in his time here is about how logical God is. If you just think for a second about God and what He does, it's incredibly logical. And it is a logical thought to understand and believe that He who did not withhold His only Son from you will give you all things if you abide and remain in and trust. When He says that He is trustworthy, you say yes and amen. And you receive and believe nothing else. When He says there is nothing impossible for God, You believe there is nothing impossible for God. It is time for the people of God to begin to pray impossible things. It is an impossible prayer that we pray that this city would be more like a kingdom of heaven than a city and a state and a country. Because it is a city and a state and a country. But we pray it anyways. It is an impossible prayer to think that the kingdom of heaven could occupy this street in such a way that when people entered it last week, they would find freedom waiting for them. But it's time for us to believe those things and pray those things because who taught us what was impossible? It was not Him. It was the world. And the last time I checked, we're in the world, not of it. So what is impossible for us? There is nothing. And what is impossible for you? You are His son. You are His daughter. You have been anointed and selected for such a time as this. There is nothing that He will withhold from you. If you remain in Him, and His Word remains in you. Ask whatever you wish, because He is glorified that you bear fruit. And not just some fruit, but that you bear much fruit. An abundance. We live, we exist in abundance. We need to remember that. That we have been anointed, we have been created for abundance. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com. Thank you.